Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Two weeks ago, we started this series and we talked about the heart, right? The corazón. We talked about that it's the most important thing in our body, that it, that it pumps blood to our brain. Our brain can't function without our heart. Our, our brain and our heart have this interesting relationship. Today we're talking about the cabeza, right? We're talking about your head. So we have this unique relationship in our head, but but just to remind you about what we just saw is the brain makes up 2% of the body of, of the body's weight. So your brain is about three pounds. Most of us, some of us, it weigh more than that. Come on, are you with me? Uh, and check this out. Men's brains, this is cool, men's brains are 10% bigger than women's brains. It's because we, we're bigger people, right? Um, not always, that doesn't necessarily mean we have bigger minds, right? Because most hospital visits end up with something like, hey, watch this. Um, 20%, listen, 20% of your energy that you use every day and 20% of the oxygen, oxygen that you use every day goes to your brain. This is part of the reason why that if you, um, I, I've been doing cardio, some some exercising over the last six weeks. It's really weird. I'm I'm trying to get in shape, you know, so I can I can be a better human. But the thing that I've noticed, the greatest side effect that I've noticed is that my brain is so much sharper. Why? Because I'm producing blood flow in my brain because my heart is pumping faster, right? When I'm doing this cardio, and so when I get done in my workout, even though physically I might be a little bit tired, my brain is sharp. So man, I, I'm like, man, that's the best time for me to study. I'm getting really good study time. I'm getting some really good focus time with the Lord. Why? Because I'm pumping blood to my brain. A hundred billion neurons in your brain. Neurons are, are kind of like uh, electrical brain cells and they, they communicate with one another and they're firing. And, and you guys know how when you're thinking, when you got a lot on your mind, man, they're just, they're running all over the place and they're communicating with one another and they're creating paths and they're doing all this. You got a hundred billion of those in your brain, which should make you feel a little bit better about all those choices you made in high school or college, right? Like, well, I might not have a hundred billion. I probably have like, you know, 60, but you still have a bunch. So just to encourage you in that. Um, so our brain is basically the communication system of our body. It tells our, our heart, we, we learned a couple of weeks ago, that our heart can actually function outside of our brain. You can pull your heart out. You can get a tr- heart transplant, right? You can do that, and you can still function, and your brain is, is still the same, and you have this, I believe you still have the same soul. Obviously, it's not physically in your heart, but but your heart can actually function outside of the body as long as it has oxygen supplied to it. But our brain has a generator in it that tells our lungs to work. So our heart can't survive without our lungs, and our heart and our lungs can't survive without our brain. So there's this interesting relationship. So although your heart can survive without your brain, it can't be regular, right? That's why when you get stressed out or angry, your blood pressure picks up. Why? Because your brain helps your heart to regulate. Are y'all with me? Um, there's three regions. We got this awesome graphic for you that I, that I found. I didn't create it. I changed it a little bit, but I, I created it. So basically your brain, I'm not going to go into all the, the jargon and all the weird long words that I'll mispronounce uh, for you this morning, but basically you have three parts of your brain. You, you, or some people call it you actually have three brains in your brain, right? And so you have what we call our, conscious, our consciousness, and then you have your subconscious, Right? And so you have 
Two parts of your brain are in your subconscious. Now, this is 95% of what we do, we do it subconsciously, right? Your heart beating. You walking. Now, at first, you had a focus on your walking, right? But now, just subconsciously, you don't have to think, oh, okay, I'm about to get out of bed this morning. Now, I want to make sure I'm putting my right foot first, right? Why? Because you had to do that at one time, but you created a pattern in your brain that taught you how to function instinctively, how to walk. So you have this part of your brain that is the, the instinct part, the, the core of your brain connected to your brain stem. Is, that's where your instincts are at. This is where habits and, and patterns form. That's why you don't have to think about patterns. When, once you do something enough times, it becomes automatic, right? Like um, some of you play instruments, right? Some of us play instruments okay. And so for me, you know, over 20 years ago, I learned these five guitar chords, same ones that I know today. And I don't have to think about, okay, where do I put my fingers to form an E minor? Let's see. It's um, here. Why? Because I've done it so many times. I created this pattern, and we can. some people call it muscle memory. I've created this pattern to go in and do it. It's like riding a bike. At one time, it was really hard for you to learn to ride a bike, but eventually it became an instinct. Now you get on a bike 20 years later, and you can still go. You don't even have to think about your balance. Okay, so what, where does that happen? That happens in, instinctual. That's, that's primitive. All, all living things uh, that breathe, all mammals, have this in their brain. They have an instinctual primitive action. This is where, and this is where we produce from. So we walk, we function, we talk, all these kind of things we've learned, and now they're programmed in our brain, and we do them automatically. Not something you have to think about, right? And then the next thing is our emotional part of our brain. Now, I know most of you think that that's the largest part of your brain, ladies, um, but that's actually the smallest part of your brain is actually uh, subconscious level is your emotional makeup. That's where your emotional brain is. This is where emotional and social experiences come in. Anger, joy, love, fear, pleasure, all these things are in this part of our brain. And when those things are activated, they cause the in- instinctual part of our brain to function. Are you guys with me? And so you have these emotions. You go, oh, I want to do this, right? I'm scared. I want to do this. So your, your emotional part of your brain told your instinctive part of your brain, run, here comes danger, or get your fist up. It's time to fight. Where did that come from? Well, your emotions told your instincts, your instinctual part of your brain to move forward. Y'all with me? Now, this is the way we frame our memories, our experiences. This is how we develop our attitudes. Come on, your attitudes come from what? Your emotions. And then it becomes a pattern. You don't have to think about having a bad attitude. You didn't always have a bad attitude, but one day you learned how to have a bad attitude, and now that's your instinct. That's your default. It's like smoking. If you're you're a smoker, any any addiction, gossip is an addiction, right? Gossip. Logging into Facebook, going through your Facebook feed. It's an addiction, right? It's a habit. So what happened is one time you looked on there and you got this information. It was in there. You felt a certain way that attached. And then now you have a habit, right? And so this is how we develop habits. They start off emotionally. It brings us some pleasure that releases things in our body. And then we act that way. And then we have the third part of our brain. Now, this is, this is the biggest part of our brain. For some of us, it's really big. It's, it's, the, it's where the rational part of our brain is. Now, the thing that separates you from the animal kingdom is this part right here. You actually have the ability to reason, right? Animals, how do, how do animals act? Instincts, emotions. If you allow your... 
emotions to drive you and your instincts to drive you, you're no different than an animal, right? And so, but humans, as far as percentage of, of mass, brain size, we have the biggest of all creation. We're very uh, smart. We're able to create things. We're able to communicate. We're actually able in some ways to communicate with other animals and things like that. Why? Because we have this ability to reason. And our conscience is what gets us in trouble, right? It, it's the thing where, and it's also the thing that keeps us safe. So things we have to think about. Um, so we store memories here. This is where we plan, where we think, where we plan, where we learn. This is where we form rational opinions. Everybody say rational opinions. This is where you form your opinions. Are you guys with me? So it shows us how to control our emotions, did you know that you can actually control your emotions by using the rational part of your brain? You are supposed to use the rational part of your brain to control the rest of your brain. Most of us, we live from this part of the brain right here. And we allow those things to control us. Our instincts, well, I felt this way, so I did that. that well, that's why you're addicted. This is why you have bad habits in your life and bad patterns. So how do I change the patterns in my life? In here. So if you can learn to hack your brain, you can actually control the way that you live. It's all a head game. You say, oh, you're giving me the, a lot of, a lot of uh, science, and I want the word. We're going to get there just a second. Now, there is, in our brain, you have paths, pathways, the way that you live, the way that you function. And in your brain, you figure, I, w- I want you to picture your job and then where you live and a big field around it. Those are the only two things. Okay, picture that in your mind. Okay? Now, there is a, a theory, and I, actually it's, it's a proven theory, called neuroplasticity. Plasticity. Neuroplasticity. Okay? I said that about 50 times yesterday to make sure I said it right today. Neuroplasticity. And what neuroplasticity is, is it is, it is the way that we form patterns in our brain. Okay, so we used to be told that your brain stopped forming when you were about 10 years old. Uh, we found out that that's not true. Um, most people say physically your brain stops changing when you're about 25. So f- some of you, there's hope. Um, uh, but really, your brain never stops changing. Uh, not only is it, you know, the, the video showed us that it's, it's kind of like tofu. Not only is it, is it physically soft, you actually have the ability to, to hijack your brain, to hack into your brain, and change the way your thought patterns work. So back to the illustration. Your job's here. You're in a field. You're at home. If you walk the exact same way every day to work through that field, what's going to happen? You're going to create a path, a pathway. But how many know that there's probably about 10 million different ways to go through that field and get to work? You can go around this way, see this little bush that has pretty flowers and smell the flowers. You go this way and drink from the well that's on the way to work. You can take all these different paths, but the path that is the broadest is, and the path that is most well-worn is the pattern. Because you, Why? Because that's the way you've been doing it. However, if you will stop using that path and start using another path, what will happen is this path will eventually get smaller and go away, and this new path will cre- be created. 
This is called neuroplasticity. And so what happens with your brain, you have to learn to trigger your brain to think differently. So a lot of us, we came to Jesus and we still think like we thought before. You still have the same patterns. You still have the same tendencies. You have the same instincts. You have the same emotions. Why? Because you did not change your thinking. See, God changed your heart, but you have got to change your mind. You have got to think differently. You have got to go in and you've got to hack your brain. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Now check this out. Brain power is willpower. Well, I just, I feel it in my heart. That's great that you feel it in your heart. We're talk, you're talking about this right here when you say that. I feel it in my heart. This is what I'm supposed to do. Right? What do you want? It? What do you, and most of you are like, oh, I just got so angry and I couldn't control myself. Why? Because you're functional. I can't quit cussing right here. I can't quit smoking because you've created that instinct. So what do you have to do? You have to create a new path. Listen, and let me say this about creating paths. Most of us, we learn how to do something and we do it that way. And so what happens is like our brain almost gets hard and we call it hard-headed, right? And so we only do things that way. And because you're not learning new things and you're not growing, come on. We're not going new places. You just go to work. Because you're not going to the store now. Or going to a friend's house now, you have no other brain paths. You only have this one. And your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so the Lord wants you to grow. He wants you to develop new patterns and have new experiences and release him in new ways. But you can't do that if you don't create new paths. Everybody okay? Say that with me. Neuroplasticity. So you have the power. That's right. Thank you. Matthew 16, here here you go for all you that are upset that I haven't got into the word yet. Matthew 16, oh, you're talking about science. We came to church. How many know that that science will actually confirm what the scripture teaches us? And we're going to talk about that right now. They are not at a, that's a messed up thinking. Oh, the science is over here and religion over here. You need to stop that. That's not true. That's right. I made it. Oh, yes. Let's broaden that path. Some of you need to work on your thinking patterns. All right. Well, honestly, okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Now, Jesus just has this moment with Peter. We, we, we spent a lot of time on Matthew 16. Jesus has this moment with Peter, and he's like, listen, Peter. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the end of, of, of the story of Jesus before he goes to the cross. And he's talking with Peter. He's like, listen, Peter, who do you say I am? Peter's like, you are Christ, son of the living God. He's like, yes, you get it, and you're Peter. And your name used to be Simon. He said, your name means rock, and I'm going to build the church on this revelation, upon this moment. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. What you unlock on the earth will be locked in heaven. He's like, yes, yes. And Peter's like, I'm so excited. Right? He's, he's, he's getting into that inner cortex of his brain. He's like, yeah, I'm so excited. And it says this in verse 21. And Jesus began to, right after that, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So he's telling them, I'm about to die. Are you guys with me? Now, he just told Peter all this great news. So Peter took him aside. (laughs) So Peter takes Jesus aside. Uh Uh-oh. 
and began to rebuke him. Well, never, Lord. That will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Oh, come on. Hey, Jesus, did you forget your what would Jesus do wristband today? Because that's not my Jesus. <laughs> come on, Jesus. You're not acting like the Lord right now. Get behind me, Satan. He looks at Peter, just gets through telling Peter the most powerful words of his life, and then he looks at him and goes, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And then he says this, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things are men. Other words, your thinking is corrupt. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, I don't know how you guys would feel like that. Like, you take the Lord. Listen, Lord, I'm like dealing with some stuff. This, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with the, with the tragedy, with the destruction, with the frustration. Lord, I am not okay with that. How many of y'all ever been there? Come on. And I, I think the Lord in us, whenever we begin to rebuke the Lord, come on, I think his word to us is not, well, just come on and enter into my grace. He's, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God on your mind. You have the things of men. In other words, stop thinking about it like you've been thinking about it. Think about it like God thinks about it. Now, I know that this is ruining your view of Jesus, but it's right here in the Scripture. Y'all okay? <laughs> he is who he is. And he's not always the way you think he is. We need, to, we need to form our brain around the Scriptures to see who he really is. So don't think the Lord would never rebuke you. Don't ever think that the Lord might come in and call you the devil. <laughs> he would never do that. Well, he did it. Then he says this to his disciples. Now, the reason is, is because B Peter was functioning off his emotions. He was functioning off his instincts. He did it later when he pulled out the sword and he sliced the dude's ear off. What is that? That's instinct. No! Jesus is like, would you just think, Peter, for one time in your life? I mean, if you know Peter's story, I mean, he's, he really, like, functioned from that instinct and that emotional part. He didn't use rationale very much until he was filled with the Spirit, until he adopted a spiritual mind. Um, then Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Oh. Other words, it's not about you. And take up his cross and follow me. Not only am I going to die, you're going to die. You're going to die to your ways. You're going to die to the way of your way of thinking. You're going to die to the way of your way of feeling. You're going to die to the way of your instincts. You've got to deny yourself. Well, I'm just going to come to the Lord and find myself. No, you come to the Lord and you lose yourself, and then you find out who you're supposed to be. So don't give me any of this argument. Well, that's the way I am. That's so Because you go to the Lord with that. That's the way I am. This is the way I feel. He might come to you and say, get behind me, Satan. So quit getting your identity from the way that you've been brought up, the way that you were raised, the way that you thought before you came to Jesus. All of that's the old man. Adopt the new man. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So you want to find your life? 
lose your life. That's right. What good will it be for a man to gain the whole world? Well, this is, this is the way of, I am. This is the way that God made me. Well, we can talk about that, but let's say this. He wants to remake you. You're a new creature. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The old is passed away. All things become new. What good is it if you gain the whole world? What good is it if you make a lot of money? What good is it if your kids are just good citizens? What good is it if you're successful in the world, yet you lose your soul? I just feel like I'm losing myself. Good. That's a good thing for you to feel. So Peter had this awesome revelation. You are Christ, son of the living God. But he had no application. Until the book of Acts where we read that later. Listen, if you don't have application, your revelation. So, you know, I get all these, you know, we're charismatic. Come on. We love that. And so we kind of get like this. Oh, just God's just giving me this revelation. And the next day, God's just giving me this revelation. And what happens? We just get a little flaky because we have all this revelation, but we don't have any application. So if you don't have application with your revelation, you'll keep questioning and repudiating like Peter did instead of standing up and demonstrating. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter, the same one who got this awesome revelation, denied Christ. Yet, filled with the Spirit of God, with a renewed mind, in Acts chapter 2, he stood up and demonstrated the power of the Spirit. The same guy that was denied. Why? What was different? Peter changed his thinking. Thinking is critical. Some of us, we kind of... Typically in the church, especially charismatic churches, which we are, we believe in the moving of the Spirit, we, t- we tend to kind of take our thinking, our logic, our reasoning, and we kind of put it in the back seat. Well, my, my, I just feel the Lord. Can I tell you that there's a difference between feeling the Lord and sensing the Lord? And God wants your feelings in alignment. He loves to, for you to experience pleasure. He loves that. We love that. We want you to experience that. But listen, emotions are not the meat of life. They're the seasoning. Reason and reasoning and logic is actually the meat of life. Let's get it straight. We're going to get into this. Really? Is that in the Bible? Yeah. Remember when Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind? Love God with all your mind? Love God with all of your reasoning? Love God with your thinking patterns. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We have the mind of Christ. Listen, Christians should be the most brilliant people on the earth. We have the mind of Christ. We can know the mind of the Lord. And under the old covenant, we couldn't. Who will know? Who, who knows the mind of the Lord? We say that today in church. Where, oh, nobody knows what God's thinking. Actually, we have the mind of Christ. And if you study that out, that's actually what it means. That we can actually think like God thinks. We can know what God's thinking. We can know what God's feeling. We have the mind of Christ. Oh, oh nobody knows his ways. Right? That's Isaiah. Oh, nobody knows the ways of the Lord. Nobody can understand. But it says in the new covenant, we It has been revealed by His Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. Listen, so thinking is not secondary to your walk. It's primary. It's primary. It's at the forefront. Because 
You change your thinking, you change your heart. You change the way you feel. You change the way you connect with God. No longer do you think of him as a bad father because you had a bad father. Now you think of him as a good father because you've experienced his goodness. The thoughts we agree with or justify are the thoughts that empower us for the good or for the bad. So if you walk around defeated, look, if you walk into a room like this with all these people, I think all these people are going to judge me. I think all these people are going to, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. What, the, the way that you will leave will be what you imposed on everybody else with your mind. Projection. We call this projection. So I walk into a room, I think everybody's mad at me, I come in and I'm all defensive. Right? Why? I'm projecting. So I've got to change my thinking. I've got to rewire my brain. And so that's going to empower you. It's going to empower you to walk in miracles. If you think it's God's will not to heal everybody, then you won't pray for anybody. But if you think healing is available for all, then you'll go around and you'll start praying for sick people. Why? Because you really know that God's a healer. Well, how did you come up with that? Well, because I felt it in the service. No, because you read the word. really not that difficult and let me say this how you think is more important than how you feel because the way you think can steer the way you feel and removing so what happens when we remove reasoning it makes us flaky because again we're not meant to be led by what we feel if that's the case half days I wouldn't get out of the bed I don't feel like getting out of bed but my reasoning kicks in and say, you need to get out of bed and go make some money today. Oh. That's like, I got, I got all these people, like, you know, dealing with young people that are, like, new in their walk and have a whole lot of passion and not a whole lot of wisdom or they're really living from the core of their brain. And go, God's just going to provide. Maybe God's going to provide you with some muscles and you with some discipline to go out and get a J-O-B. Maybe God's going to provide that way. Oh, the Lord's just not providing. How hard are you working? Because he gave you that. So let's, let's think. Let's trigger your thinking. Oh, oh. Yeah, God wants partners, not robots. Um, and listen, anytime anybody ever says, you, says this to you, and this will be told this many times because we embrace the movement of the Spirit, is many times... What will happen is uh, people will come to us and say, I just don't think about it. Right? How many of you ever been told that? Just don't think about it. Just follow the Lord. Don't think about it. Don't think about it? Scripture says we prophesy in part. We see through a glass darkly. You need to think about it. You got a big old Bible right there that tells you, oh, how God thinks, how God functions, how God operates. What are, you, what are you using to sift through what you're feeling? Oh, think about it. You need to think. Use your brain. Use your brain. And let me say this. Critical thinking is different than a critical spirit. You need to be a critical thinker. You need to process things. Don't repost every article you read. You think about it. You read it. <laughs> Don't just read the headlines and the five little bullet points. And you research it. Oh, so-and-so said it. Well, they're the only one that said it. It's funny. I like, you know, election season. season. Uh, by the way, I do have an opinion on, on elections. And I, I'm, I wasn't going to get into it today. And I, actually, I'm still not going to get into it today. But let me tell you, I, I just wrote a blog. You can get online and you can read that. But uh, 
this election that's going to happen on Tuesday is not for the next four years. It's for the next 40 years. So when you go vote, you think about not just you, but your grandchildren, because they're the ones that are going to be affected by this vote on Tuesday. And you think about things like abortion, which is where our nation is, where it is right now. Anyway, I'm going to leave it right there. But our attitude on Wednesday is important. You hear me? Come on. So go read my blog. We talk about it. Hey, the thing is, is Jesus is on the throne on Wednesday still. Regardless of who, who I want to win or who you want to win, Jesus is on the throne. And ultimately, my attitude is going to reflect whether I believe that or not. So you better think about things like that. All right. Let's move right along. Your brain. Bart will do. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Where did that go? Well, I wasn't firing. I wasn't firing. Okay. Romans 8. Y'all good? Those who are dominated. Now, this is where Peter was at when Jesus rebuked him. Right here. Sinful nature. How many know that when you, you still have this body, and you still have this old programming, you still have these old paths, those are attached to your sinful nature. Okay, you can call it what you want. I know people get caught up in the terminology. Let's just go with it. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Well, I'm thinking about sinful things. I'm, I'm lusting all the time. You're being controlled by the sinful nature. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You want to have peace in your life? Think about what pleases the Spirit. Y'all all right? Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Well, that's not the way I am. Well, you didn't. You were hostile towards God. Well, I didn't think I was hostile, but you were. You were opposed to what God wanted. That's why some of you are so frustrated right now when I'm talking. But, 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 we, stop making excuses. Let's think different. Allow the word to change your thinking. Verse 8. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Well, God's just so pleased. He's not. If you're functioning by the sinful nature, you cannot please God. How do we please God? By thinking with the spiritual mind. That's how we please the Lord. Oh, so it is important how we think, apparently. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is living inside of you. Listen, when you came to Jesus, He put the Spirit of God inside of you. You, that's how you came to him because he's, he, he said, I want you. Do you. Will you want me back? Yes, I want you. He's like, come on, let me get in there. But he doesn't just stay in your heart. He gets up in your mind. He starts messing things up. He starts changing your nature. That's why you act different than you used to act. Listen, stop imposing on God how you think he should be. That's your sinful nature. Well, I think God is great. That's the way that you think God is whatever. But is it based upon the Word of God? Is it based upon the absolute way that we know God is? We don't base our thinking upon our experience. Come on. Because you might have bad experience. Someone might have done you wrong, and that messed your thinking up. It's time to hijack those thinking patterns. All right. How do we be spiritually minded? Let's talk about the spiritual mind. First of all, the spiritual mind thinks differently. You think different now than you used to think. If you don't, 
then you need to start asking God to help you renew your mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we change our life? How do we not be conformed? By the transforming, metamorpho. That's the, where we get, tra- transform means metamorpho. It's where we get the word caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Totally different. Doesn't eat the same. This functions differently than it used to. Doesn't crawl, flies. Eats different things, has different, whoa. Metamorpho. Be transformed. Metamorpho. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not the removal of your mind. Not the removal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. That means making it new. We change our life by changing our mind. You used to think that way. Now you think this way. We call this brainwashing. Ephesians 5, the washing of the word. You need a brainwash. They're brainwashing people. Yes, we are in the business of brainwashing people. We want them to quit thinking like they're thinking, and we want them to think like God thinks. We want them to, th- to be spiritually minded. How does that happen? Through the washing of the word, Ephesians 5. Listen, the ability to change your mind is strength, not weakness. Many times we'll say that, man, they're, they are... They know what they think. That's not necessarily a strength. Come on. It's strength to be a thinker, but if you're not willing to change your mind, man, I can tell you what, my mind is way different than it was 10 years ago. I think totally differently. Why? Because my mind is being made new again, and my life follows it. I'm transformed by the renewal of my mind. How are you transformed? By your mind being differently. That's why we call it repentance. Repentance, you know what repentance means? It means to turn from our sin. Yes, it does. But it means to change your mind. And when you change your mind, your actions follow. So when you change your reasoning, your instincts change. Are y'all with me? Am I losing you? So we don't reason like we used to. And we don't reason like the world does. Notice it says, be not conformed to the world. In other words, don't think like the world thinks. Don't let the news inform you. Don't let social media inform you. How about you get before God? How about you get in the Word of God? Get your face out of that book and get your face in this book and learn what God says. This is how you renew your mind. Not by reading a bunch of things that men say, although men have a lot of great things to say. But where are you getting most of your information? From the culture? No wonder you look just like the world. No wonder you act just like the world. Where are you getting your information? We spend 45 minutes a day reading articles and five minutes in a nice little devotional in our Bible app. And you wonder why you don't know the word. And you wonder why you can't change the way you're thinking or can't have any power over an addiction or still battle negativity. Oh, I'm just going to preach right here. You know what? I did. (laughs) I'm not preaching now. I'm telling the truth. (laughs) I posted this thing about Starbucks, you know, because everybody wants to complain about something. And uh, and I was like, you know, let's just not complain about the Starbucks cups this year. You know, I was like, let's just be positive and upbeat. And people found a way to complain. I was like, like, you know, like I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not. 
endorsing Starbucks. I'm talking about not complaining. And you're like, complaining. You didn't know. I don't expect them to be a Christian company. I expect you to be a Christian and me and complaining and negative. We just were like looking at Where can I complain? Where can I express my negativity that I got inside because I haven't renewed my mind? Okay. Me too. Why is that so funny? Listen, we, we start and end our reasoning with this. What does God think? We have the mind of Christ. What does God think? Maybe we shouldn't be just saying, what would Jesus do? Maybe we should think, well, how would Jesus think? Because our thinking will control our actions. Second thing that we've got to do, number one, is renew our mind. Number two, leverage the imagination. I didn't expect to be so intense today. Never do. Number two, leverage the imagination. 50% of the time that you're awake, you're imagining. Most of the time that I've been talking today, at least half the time, you've probably been imagining. Your brain will drift. We have so many distractions. We have all these little pathways in our brain that go, oh, thinking about this and thinking about, did I forget the car keys? Did I forget to turn the air conditioner off? What's for lunch? What's up? Why? Why? Because we spend, and I, listen, I, I believe this is a gift from God. Our imagination is a gift from God. 50% of the time that you're awake, you're imagining. You're processing things in your brain. You're, just, you're not speaking. You're not doing. You're thinking. You're thinking about what you're going to do. You're thinking about what you're going to say. 50% of the time. A third of your day, most of us, is spent asleep. What are you doing? Imagining. Dreaming. All this. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. I beg you that when I come, that I might not have to be as bold as I expected. <laughs> I could say this today. As bold as, as some people think that we live by the standards of this world. So here he is. He's talking about their behavior. You're acting like the world. So I didn't want to have to come in and like bring the boldness, but I'm going to have to. That's what he's saying. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Oh. Well, they acted like that to me, but we don't do that. We don't, we don't, we're not animals. We don't function off instinct. We reason. Oh, we don't. No. Oh. We, I want you to think, oh, yes, I want that. We do not wage, I'm sorry, I'm so sarcastic. Um, We do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. I'm trying not to go there. All right. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We've got to learn to leverage our imagination. Listen, it is the battle in your mind is a spiritual battle. Where did Jesus die? Where did Jesus win the battle? At Golgotha, the place of the skull. The battle is always won in the mind. It's always won right in here. Spiritual warfare is not just a prayer meeting. It's a thinking pattern. It's the meeting that's happening in your mind. It's the things that you're thinking about. It's the things that you're battling in between your two ears. And you guys know how it is. You're walking around and you're like, oh, oh, just trying not to say anything. Good. 
That's a good battle for you. But I don't think that. I think this way. Good. Those are good things. It's a good tension. It's healthy. I know it doesn't feel that way. I know the world would want to medicate you to get you to quit wrestling with things. That's a good tension. It's healthy. But what? listen, it's, it's like if your mind is being pulled by the world and it's being pulled by God, who are you giving the slack to? Come on, who are you allowing to leverage your imagination, your thinking? Are you allowing, oh, it's just, well, you saw this blog and you saw this TV program or you read this. How about let's just get in the word of God and give it for the presence of God and allow him to kind of, kind of lead us? Leverage your imagination. This is how he says that we demolish these strongholds. Strongholds are like fortresses. They're like, they're, they're buildings around something important. And that thing important is your heart. And there's these mental strongholds in your mind that you've got to overcome. And it don't just, listen, it is not just overcome because someone lays hands on you. The things that, these are the things that keep us from breakthrough. Mental arguments, fears, tensions, frustrations, worldly reasoning, anxieties. What does it say we're supposed to do? When we have a thought that's not what God thinks, what we're supposed to do is take that thought captive. We don't speak it. Well, I think this, honestly. Listen, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Respond that way. Listen. And then respond. So what we do when we get a thought and it doesn't line up with what God thinks, then what we do is we take it captive. That is the same word that you would use that if you took a prisoner of war. You would take that thought captive. You would lock it up. You wouldn't speak about it. Come on. You wouldn't act on it. You take that thought and it says this. It says you bring it to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? That means that you yield them to Jesus. So you take this reasoning, this wrong reasoning that we all battle with every day. We don't speak on it. We don't write on it. We don't process it. We submit it to the Lord. We take it. We go, I shouldn't be thinking that way. That's a victim mentality. How do you know it's a victim mentality? Because you've been in the word. Come on. That's a poverty mindset. Stop thinking that way. You grab that thought and you say, Lord, you know I'm thinking this way. I'd bring it. I submit it, and I yield it to you. I take my opinion. That's a, is this opinion? Is this a godly? That's what I think. What does God think? Oh, I don't think God would think that. Let's yield it to the Lord. This is how you create new patterns. Listen, faith is yielding human reasoning to God's ability. Faith is yielding human reasoning to God's ability. So what we do is we're like, in our imagination, what if the bills don't get paid? <sighs> See, the imagination is very powerful. What if they don't like me? What if they're mad at me? So we walk in the room going, and they're not even mad. Listen, we have to change our what-ifs. That word arguments right there in the Scripture means imaginative reasoning. Imaginative reasoning. Our imagination. You guys remember? Imagination. Imagination. Right? Your imaginations. Listen, the power, <laughs> the power to imagine. <laughs> Let's get back on this. I thought that was fun. The power to to imagine will lock us down with fear or unlock our capacity to experience the impossible. So instead of going, well, what if this doesn't happen? What if you say, but God? 
What if God is really good? What if God keeps his word? What if God keeps his promises? What if God is really good and his thoughts towards me are good? I know I'm not feeling good today. I know that they don't like me because I posted that on Facebook. But guess what? I'm loved by God. I know they don't. They rejected me today. Man, I just feel so bad about that. But man, I'll just take that thought captive and I'll bring it to the obedience of Christ. My God is good. Oh, yeah. Look, Lord, I'm reading your word. It says you're good. I believe. What if God? What if we thought like that? What if we thought like that? What if we stop thinking about how bad our life is and the struggle was real and started dwelling about how great our God is? What if he is as good as he says he is? What if he really is in control? Do we really have anything to complain about? What if I really do belong to God? What if I really do? Can I believe that? I mean, I think my bills will get paid. I think I'll be all right. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is I could die and I can lose everything. Guess what? You're going to die one day and you're going to lose everything. It's going to happen. But if you belong to God, that's not a big deal. Come on. Number three, make up your mind. I know I need to hurry. Make up your mind. So make up your mind. How do I make up my mind? neuroplasticity you decide those paths you say man i've tried thinking that way well you just keep thinking that way some of you just need to write down a a brain noodle you just need to start writing down this is how i process things not on a phone just get a piece of paper out sit in a room a dark room with a little light no electronics just sit down and this is what i'm thinking and then when i think about this i think about this over here and i think about this over here and i think about this over here Most of us, the habits we have is because at one time in our life, when we form that habit, it has a good experience attached to it. And it releases chemicals in your body. So what happens is when you get sad, you resort to that habit. Why? Because you've created a pathway in your brain that says, if I want to feel this way, then I've got to do this habit. Are you with me? So you've got to create new paths to steer clear of that junk. This is how you break habits. By not doing it. Well, that's just self-discipline. Yes, it's self-discipline. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Stop doing it, and eventually, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You keep on going. You ke- Well, I, it's not changing yet. You just stay on that path. Eventually, you're going to kill the weeds. Eventually, that old path's going to dry up. You just get on the new path. Make up your mind. What are you going to do? A double-minded man, James 1, verse 5, a double, or I'm sorry, verse 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. A double-minded man. The problem in, in, in the church a lot these days is we have double-minded people. We go, well, I'm in the world. I look like the world. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It's Sunday. I like what Elijah said. He said this, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, then serve him. If he's not, then go the other direction. But make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? The church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. It says this, I know your deeds, but your heart, you, you're lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you make up your stinking mind and get in the hot tub or get in the swimming pool. But get one, you're lukewarm, and I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. 
Oh, kind, passionate Jesus, speaking to the church post-resurrection. Make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? You okay? That word, mind, in, in the Greek is where we get the word psyche. The word is actually psycho. So when we're double-minded, we got two psychos living in our brain. And that's what we feel like when we're double-minded. Listen, make up your mind. How long will you waver? How long will you compromise? Stop waiting for the opportunity in the correct scenario. How about you just start thinking differently today? Make up your mind. I love what Chris Valentin says. He says this, what, we, what you cultivate dominates. What you cultivate dominates. The way that you think will eventually be the way that you live. You need consistency. This is how habits are formed. You didn't, get, you didn't get addicted to cigarettes or addicted to alcohol by smoking one time or drinking one time. You created that habit. You didn't get negative by being negative one time and by being critical one time. You got that way by continually doing that way and not subjecting those thoughts to Christ. So the ministry team is going to come forward. Listen, one of the things that's a huge motivator for us, and we talked about this, is pleasure. Right? So the reason why we get addicted, the reason why we create patterns, is because at some point when that pattern was formed, there was a pleasure, there was a reward, right, that released chemicals in your body that made you feel good. It might not make you feel good anymore, but you still have this path in your brain that says if you go this way you'll feel this way you got to get on the new path how do you shrink this path you stop walking on it you start walking the new path you start thinking the new path you not start thinking the new way you get in the word of god you worship every day not just on sundays You spend time in prayer. You set aside time for prayer, not just on your commute to work. You create new paths. All of a sudden now, the old path seems to be gone. There's a little faint there. I remember when I used to be that way. I don't think that way. How did you change your thinking? You created new thought patterns. Change your mind. Change your life.